What is up, guys? Welcome in to part two of my mental game chat with Vic Ferrante. Um, if you haven't gone back, please go and listen to part one as that'll help you uh, fully grasp what we're talking about in our entire chat. Um, and then you can move on to this episode, which is part two. But if you haven't listened to part one, I uh, strongly suggest you start out by listening to that um, episode which is the last episode that I uh, posted here on the Thought Force podcast. Um, there's a lot of great nuggets in this total, and uh, all in this, all of these three parts of the chat. So take your notebooks out, take a lot of notes, and hope you enjoy the podcast. You are listening to the hottest podcast in the game. This is the Thought Force podcast. Get ready. It's time to get in the zone. Here's your host, Eddie Salcedo. Play ball. It's just understanding that's just part of the game. And be happy that you barreled up a ball and move on. And then become a base runner. That's the other thing, too. We, we talk about it so much about like our performance as a hitter, but there's, it's such a small part of the game. There's different components of the game. When you're in the box, you're a hitter. As soon as you make contact, you're a base runner. And you need to start thinking like a base runner. You know, the third out is made. Now you need to think right. like a defender. Exactly. And if you are thinking like a base runner and a defender, you're not thinking about your poor performance at the plate which is there for keeping exactly. you present and keeping you uh, more focused and then not harping on the negative. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like one thing that you touched on, one thing that you touched on that was huge that, that uh, like you said, I talk about a lot is controlling the controllables. And for me, um, games have become really, really fun for me lately because it almost becomes like the games are a reward and a, and a kind of a prize for all the training I've put in. So it, it just becomes a, let me trust everything I've done and let me just go have fun. And, and this, this is really like the, the prize after all the hard work that I've done, that it becomes a trusting mode and it becomes a, just focus on what you can control and the results will come because before it used to be, Oh man, I need to get at least two hits today or I, I can't make any errors in the field, but all those thoughts have are far like don't even come close to what I'm thinking about in the game. It becomes everything I can control. So for example, for me as a catcher, I'll, when I, uh, when the pitcher is coming to me, I uh, relax my glove down. So I think about exhaling and kind of blowing my glove down as the pitch, as the pitcher starts coming forward. And as long as I can blow my glove down every time the pitcher comes forward, that's it. That's all I'm thinking about. And my body naturally will catch the ball, frame the ball. When he, when the runner steals, I'm right there. I'm ready. And that exhale kind of has me in that relaxed state. And so doing that puts me in a really good spot to do everything I want to do, block, uh, receive, throw. And that's all I'm thinking about. I'm not thinking about how many pass balls I had the game before, how many pass balls I had the inning before. I'm not thinking about anything. All it, all it is is blow the glove down when this pitch is coming. That's it. And, like, that's for me defensively. And then offensively, it changes more with each pitcher and the approach with everything. But I make sure my approach is something I can really control. And so 
I'll judge my at bat, not based off if I got a hit or not, but more off of the decisions I made, the, the pitches I swung at. Um, and if I was on time, how relaxed I was, things like that, that are in my control, um, are really how I evaluate my at-bats. It doesn't become, oh, not on time. I'm not relaxed and just got really lucky, but that's a bad day for me on the field. It doesn't really yeah. matter, um, what it looks like in the box score, because I know in the long term. If everything I'm controlling, I'm doing really well, I'll be in a really good spot by the time the season's done. Uh, compared to if I'm just going up and down with whether I got lucky or not, found a few holes, but wasn't really doing the things I can control really well. Yeah, you're, it's keeping you, keeping you in the moment, keeping you focused on the process um, and seeing the end game, knowing that if I do these little things now, and they, they're not sexy things. They don't sound right. sexy. You're not talking about hitting home runs. It's like, if I do these little things now, at the end of the year, my collective, my whole, you know, all the work that I've put in, every game, every rep, every pitch, then it's going to equal some good results. Mm -hmm. And trusting that rather than saying, I want my results now. Like, exactly. That, and I think that kind of goes hand in hand, like with that, like the whole mentality of like instant gratification. Like I wanted to go out there and play a game. I wanted the results that I wanted right then, but mm -hmm. that's not how baseball works. And that's right. not how life works. Like you have to put it and it may happen. Sometimes it happens. You go out the first game, Oh, you're just on fire. Then you're on top of the world. And then sure enough, you know, a couple of games later <laughs> you struggle and then you kind of, you know, you take a nosedive into a slump. Exactly. Um, so, um, what was I going to say? I kind of lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. But yeah. um, no, I mean, that's, that's one thing that's huge for me is controlling what I can control because yeah. the moment you control what you control, you liberate yourself from all the restrictions you had mm -hmm. when you were all results oriented. Because if you really think about it, I mean, baseball's a hard enough game to where if you are going up and down, if you know, and, and basing your confidence based on how fast the other team's outfielder is really, I mean, it, it, that's really what it can come down to. If you hit a good line drive and that center fielder runs a six, seven, 60 and dives and catches your ball, your confidence goes down. But if the outfielder is a six, nine, 60 and goes right by him, all your confidence is through the roof. Like, how is that? How does that make any sense? You're you know, being it, dragged it along. Right, exactly. You're being, your emotional roller coaster, yeah. You become a prisoner of yes. other things that are outside of your control. And I think that's a really, that's a bad spot to be in, especially as you start to go up at levels, whether it's high school, college, professional, those things, the, the talent starts to increase and mm -hmm. the amount of times you get lucky starts to decrease. And I mean, if you're really basing your confidence off of how lucky you are you have no choice but to have your confidence go down as your level increases yep absolutely and that was part of it making the transition into professional baseball um expecting to have to hit 390 like i did in college mm -hmm. uh, i'm probably not gonna hit 390 i mean <laughs> some guys do it in the minor leagues um right. but um i certainly did not and it was a, I mean, it was a huge adjustment because I mean, guys are balls like a blur. 
you know, I, I was always a good, good at hitting velocity, but there was something different when you get into pro ball, the way the ball comes out of the hand, um, the effortless, um, yep. uh, zip that guys had, it was like, it was like night and day from like college, like facing a kid in college that threw low nineties and we face them every now and then it was a big difference for whatever reason. Um, when you got into pro ball, plus you see every pitcher is throwing low nineties right. and high nineties. Um, but yeah, again, it's just like that, the unrealistic expectations. Um, and then the pressure mm-hmm. going back to like what you were saying about just that, well, baseball is just baseball. Like, and I've always, dis- I've always used to believe the thought, you know, like, you know, it's like a good slogan and it's a good t-shirt or a bumper sticker. Baseball is life. But there's kind of a problem with that. Like we were saying, yep. like, if you really live by that, it can be something that's very, that you're very passionate about in life. But if you start to think that it is life, then you're potentially on a road where it's a bad place to be in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. Because there's that pressure because Mm -hmm. if I fail in baseball, then am I a failure in life? Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's it's totally uh, crazy to think that way. And I, I I thought that way. Um, It was kind of, I grew up in a negative environment. And I was, I was actually called a failure because Mm -hmm. I didn't make it to the major leagues that I didn't do one of the hardest things you could possibly do in all of sports or at least just in the baseball world, like Mm -hmm. the 1% of the 1% of probably the 1%. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so I, that's why I was kind of like in that, that darker place at the end of my career, bitter and just kind of thought I was a failure because baseball was my life. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, And yeah, I mean, one thing, again, kind of going off of that, that I, I also used to really, really believe was, it was almost like I was on this quest for perfection. Like everything had to be perfect. Like every ball I had to hit had to be barreled up line drive over the outfielder's head every throw I had to make had to be right to the chest and you just have to come to the I mean I mean there's there's really a balance you have to be in the middle where it's not like oh you threw a ball over the first baseman's head 20 feet above his head and you're like I don't care you just you can't have that but at the same time you have to liberate yourself from that expect from expecting perfection and not and being frustrated if it isn't perfect because the moment you liberate yourself from that you would actually be surprised how much closer you are to perfection when you stop kind of thinking about how perfect you are Um, yeah that's that's really one big thing for me was getting away from that right exactly um so yeah that that's another big thing that i think for me has helped me out is not, not going for perfection, but at the same time, understanding that if I really want to get to be as close to perfect, I have to liberate myself from having and needing to be perfect is, is really knowing that if you really want something, you almost have to reverse it and not believe you actually want it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I've even said, um, I don't know if I've, maybe I heard this somewhere else and I'm just repeating it, but I kind of like, rather than perfection, focus on progression. Mm -hmm. Just as long as you're making progress each and every time, like kind of know that, that perfection is that carrot kind of dangling in front of you that you're never really going to catch it. Um, Mm -hmm. you can, it can be your, your, your direction, 
that you're shooting for it. You know, it's like shooting right. for the, like trying to shoot, you know, uh, an arrow at the moon. It's like you're never going to get it. Um, but if you keep going in that direction, um, you're going to get closer. Obviously it doesn't work in reality, <laughs> but I mean like in terms of obviously going after that per- perfect throw, that perfect hit, mm-hmm. as long as you are, continuously making progress in that direction or you're trying to lose weight or you're trying to increase velocity or power forgetting about perfection use it to like okay that's where i want the direction i want to go as a goal and then just focus on keep me making progress because then you get to the you can be in the big leagues you're still not perfect right um you know so i think that that's just another huge huge element that guys um kind of miss you know, For so sure, focused yeah. on that result. For sure. I was listening to a podcast interview with Tony Walters. He's the yeah. catcher with the Colorado Rockies. And one thing that he said was, he was asked, I, I, I think this was his answer to the question. I remember he brought this up. I can't remember if this is the exact question, but I think it was uh, the host asked him, hey, what's, what are your goals for the season? And all he said was just 1% better every day. That's it. And it's the same exact thing as, is progressing. And really, I mean, if you can go to bed each night knowing that you got 1% better, that's, that's good. You know, it, because if you get 1% better and you multiply that by three, four or five years, you're talking about massive, massive improvement. Um, yeah. And I think that that's a big thing. And for me, a way that I can track that is being able to write things down. And I talk about that also a lot is writing things down. I write everything down, you know, for me as a, as a catcher, I'm writing down things I need to work on personally. So hitting, throwing, um, just cues that help me out. So I have my notebook for that. I have my notebook for opposing pitchers. If he's got certain tail, certain, um, off speed, how his off speed acts. Those are, those are things that I'm taking notes on so that when I get back in the box against him, whether it's in playoffs the next year, whenever it is, I have something to go back to and I don't have to waste one, two, three pitches to remember, Oh yeah, he had this kind of movement on his fastball. I can just go to it, see it and have an idea of what I'm going into before I step in that box. So that when I step in, I'm a step ahead and I know what his stuff's looking at. So I'll, I'll take notes on things that I need cues for opposing pitchers that I think a lot of people listening to this can apply to their game. And then for me as a catcher, um, I also like to take notes on opposing hitters, how to pitch them. If they're opening certain way, if they have trouble hitting certain pitches. Um, So I'll take notes on opposing hitters and then as well, umpires, umpires zones. um, You know, they're different. You cannot, a lot of pitchers get mad because they don't think it's a uh, strike because it's kind of their perceived zone, but each umpire has their, their own zone that they believe is a strike zone. And it doesn't matter what you think of the strike zone. What matters is the only guy that matters really is the umpire strike zone. And as long as you have a good understanding of that strike zone, then you, you, can, you can be a step ahead of the, the other team because it won't take you one or two innings if you have written that stuff down somewhere. And uh, remember, which for me as a catcher, it's, it's easy because I know the, the umpire's name, can write down a little bit of descriptions of what he looks like in case, you know, I write down his name's Tony and I forget, hey, what did Tony look like? I can write 
I don't know, had glasses, had these kinds of glasses on, whatever it is. Um, and so I can remember that and I can go into the game knowing, okay, Tony's behind the plate today. He's one inch wide outside, a little narrow inside. I can now work with the pitcher on, hey, this is where the strike zone is. Let's attack these, these areas. Um, so we're, we're in a good spot. And again, that's another thing that I like to talk about is just being in a good spot. It doesn't mean so we can win. I like saying, so I put myself in a good spot because that, that really takes away a lot of pressure of results and more into, I don't know how to explain it. When, I, when for me, the words being in a good spot say, I'm prepared, I'm as prepared as I can be and I'm gonna trust what I have and whatever happens, happens. You know, if we lose, I knew I was in a good spot. If we win, I knew I was in a good spot to do it. So those are kind of words that I really like to use but going off the progress thing, that's really how I track it. And um, I'll sometimes go back and look at notes that I had from months prior. And I'll go, look where I've come from this to now here. If I would have been thinking this, I'd be much worse than I would be than if I'm uh, thinking of the cues that I am now. So that's kind of a way that I track my 1% better each day. Yeah, that's huge. Quest. Uh, so then question for like people listening. So when do you actually r- do all this writing? Do you d- mid game? Uh, do you try to remember it? You probably does your team. What if your team is not taking uh, score or at least th- that type of information? If they're not recording it, how do you get it all down on a paper? Right. I mean, for me, I, I think each guy's different. I mean, some guys can put everything in their brain and it just sticks there. They can go to bed um, and, and they have their notebooks by their bed. And later that night, boom, they write it down. They know it. Um, for me, it, it, I like to free my mind so that, like I said, I can focus on what I have to do. For example, breathing the glove down, stuff like that as a catcher. And as a catcher too, there's a lot of things that go on in my mind during the game and trying to remember, okay, this hitter, he opens up a little bit. Okay, this guy's this guy's zones a little bit wide. This pitcher's got this kind of like it's just so much to try to process. That for me, I like to write it down in the middle of the game. Um, and the things that I like to write down in the middle of the game would be umpires and opposing hitters. Um, as long as I'm somewhat familiar with the pitchers I'm working with um, and catching, and then my cues are kind of inside me, like like those. I, I can almost say like, I mean, I have them almost memorized. Like I know my pre-pitch routines, what I'm thinking while I'm breathing before I get to the box, what I'm thinking when I'm in the box, what I'm thinking when I'm behind the plate, those things are almost inside me. So I don't have to refer back to that notebook a whole lot unless if I find, um, hey, this cue works better with certain pitchers or whatever. So if a pitcher's going really, if he's a tall, lanky guy throwing really downhill, I'm going to think, scoop this ball in the center field. So get under it if it's really downhill. And if he's a, a guy with high spin rate, I'm going to think, okay, I'm going to hit the top of this ball, hit it at his feet. And so it, it comes with different kinds of approaches to beat what the game presents you, to beat yeah. what the pitcher gives you. Because if a pitcher's got high spin rate and you're thinking, get under this ball, you almost have no shot. Like that, that <laughs> I mean, if, if the, the ball seems like it ri- it's rising and the people yeah. that, haven't necessarily like faced something the moment you face a guy with a high spin rate 
you almost swear that ball's going up. Like it, <laughs> it, that's what it feels like. Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, you, I think you have to adjust to what the game presents to you, but uh, no, I, I like to take what I can take notes on during the game. I like to take notes yeah. just so I can put it on paper. And I know the paper won't forget what I'm thinking. So I can just go back to whatever I need to be thinking at that point in time. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Cause that could be, um, I can imagine that would be kind of like the question kids would have It's like, well, how and when, you know, let's say you're catching and cause you gotta, especially as a catcher, cause you gotta be, you gotta take your gear off, take your gear back on. Uh, you maybe right. uh, do up. Um, so you can, you know, then you get on base and you're on base for a couple outs and then you mm-hmm. may get an, a whole inning where you don't even get to sit down, uh, in the dugout. Um, right. obviously you just do your best, the next time you get to sit down and keep probably, I would imagine you keep the notes pretty short, kind of short and sweet. Exactly. Uh, keywords that kind of, that, you know, you'll remember what, you know, going back and looking at it. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and one another big thing with taking notes is you're the only guy that needs to understand them. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you don't need to be writing out full essays that your coach yeah. needs. Like you are the, as long as you know what you're talking about and you know what clicks for you, like that's, that's all, that's the only person you're writing the notebook for. So yeah. if I write down three letters and I know exactly what they mean during the game, that's all you need to write down. And then later, yeah, you can maybe fill it in. So maybe later, if you look back, then you know what those three letters meant. But I mean, you create however, um, however you want to write down in your notebook, the only person that needs to really understand what you're writing down is yourself. So as long as you know what you're uh, doing and you have it straight, I think that's really all that matters. Yeah, man, that's definitely something I totally missed out on. I mean, I remember hearing uh, maybe coaches or scouts or whoever, you know, kind of talking about the the concept, the idea of writing, writing stuff down, but it was just something Mm -hmm. I never, I never even attempted, never attempted. Um, And just to think like, what if I had some information on a guy that I face, you know, let's say I face him in summer ball and then I face him, you know, let's say in high school and I face him in the, in the section playoffs. It's like, wouldn't it be good to kind of remember it? Maybe I do remember, but, or to have it actually a whole at bat, at least with my thoughts of how I felt, right. how he pitched me, how I perceived his, his movement, the type of stuff that he had. Did he get me out on, you know, X, Y, Z, uh, did I get him? You know, if I if I hit a you know 450 foot home run off of him, uh, off of a fastball, up in the zone, I'm probably not going to get a you know he's going to do his best to try and not give me a fastball because most pitchers will remember. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they might yeah. not have to write down when you gave up a 450 foot bomb to somebody. Right. As a pitcher, you remember that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's just absolutely huge, and a lot of it may not ever benefit you later. Um, exactly. But it's the habit of it. Um, I think it, the benefit, if it doesn't actually play out into a game, um, is just is the your ability to perceive and to like to observe and to soak in information um, because mm-hmm. you get into the habit of you know that you have to write it down or that you're going to write it down. Um, so you you tend to soak up certain those things, right? And right. then boom, they, if they don't make it down on paper. Um, you still took them in. Um, so for you as a player, just especially as a catcher, like you got to be on top of your stuff. You got to know right. the game. You have to be present. You cannot be thinking about your bat at bat while 
<laughs> while you're trying exactly. you know trying to catch uh, and deal mm-hmm. with base runners and just the, the, I mean I was never a catcher but I have a lot of respect for you guys because it's a it's a tough position um, but yeah that was absolutely huge writing stuff down I sort of do it in my personal life mm-hmm. habit I it's been tough to get it to stick um, but I always like keep resorting back to it and it is um, very helpful and beneficial and um, definitely just a good habit all around habit for sure. And kind of going off of to beating what the game presents to you. I think it, it's big to, to just understand writing things down. Like I, I don't read everything I write down back again. Like I'll, yeah. after I write something down, I'll let two, three days go by and then I'll go back over them. And again, I'll do this with everything. Like I'll, I'm, I listen to a lot of podcasts I'll watch videos, stuff like that, where something I see on Twitter or something like that. And I'll take notes on them, but I'll take the notes. I'll wait a little bit. It can be like every Sunday or Saturday where you look back over all the notes you took and you underline star, however you want to mark them, the key points that you can really take so that you don't have to go through the five pages of notes you took each week. You can just look at, oh, these six bullet points that I took out of this week that are really going to help me out. Now, if you're trying to digest a whole month, now you only have 20, 24 bullet points instead of having to read 30 pages. And that's a big thing that that I think is big because it helps you digest it. And none of us are going to be reading through 30 pages of notes to, to, I mean, let's be honest, like (laughs) nobody's going to really go back through all those notes. But if you have a more condensed kind of uh, spark notes or cliff notes, of the notes you took and of everything you're you're processing it's much better so that you can have a condensed version that you can take with you to wherever you're going so that that's another big thing with taking notes is going back to them and understanding what the key points are maybe even another tip too for for guys listening is like you can consider um maybe you're not allowed to have your phone out during a game but you could always Mm -hmm. buy one of those little um uh, uh, audio recorders, right? I'm sure they have newer updated ones nowadays that aren't as old fashioned, but they could probably upload to your phone or something. Um, because that might be better for some people than mm-hmm. writing down, just depending on how yep. people learn or how they, they process is to be able to go in your bag, grab your little audio recorder, or even if your coach is cool with you pulling your phone out and using a recording app and just talk into it make your notes that way. Um, maybe it's, that. A little, maybe it's a little quicker and it's a tip, um, mm-hmm. for, player, for guys that are playing. Yeah. I think that's a great idea um, because obviously we can speak much faster. I mean, if we tried to write yeah. down everything we were saying during this podcast it would take us hours. Um, but speaking is much quicker and yeah, that's actually, I might even have to tinker yeah. around with is maybe even recording a little bit. And then when I get, once I get home, then, then you take the time to write it all down. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely a great idea to, to write everything down. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I actually want to get down to like, so we've talked a lot about big picture, like baseball isn't number one stuff like that, but like actually getting deep into it. Like, do you have any, um, specific breathing techniques or stuff like that, that you like to use in your life or teach the teacher guys? Um, the, one of the first main ones came off of the book Heads Up Baseball. I'm sh- I'm assuming you've probably read Heads Up Baseball, yeah, or listened to the the audio book. Um, 
is the you know, the concept of being able to um, in between each rep, taking a full breath in and out. Um, a lot of a lot of kids right off the bat will just kind of like they'll take a breath, but they'll go. <sighs> You know, it's still yeah, shallow, yeah. Um, but to really get to take back control of yourself um, by taking that deep breath, and it's so much harder um, than it sounds. Um, that's just the main thing that I've been trying to implement with my kids. Like even in the even in the batting cage, like we're we're doing BP, we're doing flips. Like I want them to an abbreviated like in between pitch routine, kind of mm-hmm. take your, take one foot out. If you need to fix your gloves, fix your gloves, like get back in, get your focal point, take that deep breath, like, and fully exhale, um, to obviously, and focus on your approach on the next pitch. Um, right. so that one, just kind of a basic, you know, basic, um, routine, uh, but also the, um, adding the visualization part where you're kind of, you're breathing in energy, like, so if you mm-hmm. need, if you feel like you're a little bit down, on energy for uh, on a day. Cause that's going to happen. And you yep. need to bring yourself up to visualize yourself breathing in the energy and, you know, pulling your shoulders back at the same time and kind of puffing your chest out, bringing in that, like that little bit of testosterone kick, a little bit of energy with that breath. And then likewise, if you need to bring yourself down, cause that would be, that would have been me is being mm-hmm. way too over amped at the plate, feeling too good, too strong, you know, you'll have a tendency to want to, to muscle, muscle the ball, muscle the swing. Um, so I would have, it would have benefited me to be able to have that in my toolkit to say, okay, as I exhale, I'm going to release my tension, which is what the breath naturally does. But having Mm -hmm. that thought, like I'm actually taking energy, taking some of that, that, um, over that amp, those amps and releasing them out of my body. Um, mm-hmm. I found to be pretty helpful for even when I play around with it myself hitting, um, I find it to be very helpful and I know it right. would have been had I been able to do that in the game. Cause I was that, I was the up here, <laughs> right? <laughs> I needed to dial it down the majority of the time. For sure. And I think, but, um, yeah, I mean, as far as breathing goes, I think it, it is like anything else in the game where I, I, I really do not like having a cookie cutter approach where it's like, okay, every time before you get in the box, you're going to breathe it and breathe for this amount of time. And you're going to think this, like for me, it's like, okay, there are going to be times where I'm walking into the box where I'm in my green light mode, which what that means kind of in the mental spaces, you're ready to compete. And for me, like if I'm in that, in that kind of, uh, stage like if my mental um state is in a green light then i will i will literally just be humming a song my favorite song in my head just trying to stay in that and that's really something that helps me stay in that green light is taking my mind off baseball and just literally just humming the favorite song or, or kind of um having my having a song come in my head and just like as i'm kind of getting in the box thinking about that and then okay what do i have to think about like starting when the pitcher's hands break, but whatever, you, whatever you have to think about that, then it's like, okay, but getting into the, getting into it, I think is big. And the thing that I don't like about, um, for, cause there are a lot of guys that'll say like, okay, every time before you step in the box, look at your bat, take a deep breath and do this. Like for me, that gives me a lot of time to actually think 
And if I take a breath when I don't really need it, so I'm in that green, uh, green light, then I might take a breath for just for taking a breath and thinking I'm doing the right thing, but I'm actually giving myself time to think and process and it becomes more complicated, more complicated. And then I go into the box with all these thoughts. So yep. if I'm in a good, if I'm in a good mental state, I'll try to take my mind off the game because I know I'm in, I'm in a good spot and I'll think, all right, let me sing my favorite song or whatever, get in the box. And now, okay, I know what I need to focus on. And then if I'm in a yellow or red light, which means you're not ready, whether it's like you said, you have too little energy, too much energy. I have different breathing techniques that I'll use that'll get me into that, or at least close to that green um, mental state. Mm -hmm. So let's say um, it's bottom of the seventh inning, base is loaded, tie game. Like I like, chances are I will be in the yellow or red. It's just the nature of the game. I'm gonna, you know, the adrenaline's gonna be going. My heart's gonna be racing. I w I want to come through. I mean, if you don't, then you're probably playing the wrong game. Yeah. But it's normal. It's normal to be. A lot of people would say nervous. I like to say excited. Um, to go in and, and be in that spot. And um, I mean, when I'm in, when I'm, if I'm in a situation like that, for me picturing it, I'm, I'm at an, I'm at a mental state that's very hyped up, like you said. Um, and one breathing technique that I'll use is I'll, you know, step out, grab my bat, look at the top or wherever I like to look at. I usually like to look at the barrel and I'll, breathe in and then once i get to the top of my exhale i will basically squeeze all the muscles in my body from like head to toe just flex them as i'm holding the bat like i'll squeeze the bat as hard as i can and then on the exhale i'll just relax everything just let everything go and that gets me into a really good spot into a really close to a green um, mental state so that now when i go in now I can focus on what I need to focus on, whether it's, like you said, whatever it is for you, whether it's when the pitcher starts, seeing the spin, whatever works for you, then focusing on that. Um, but yeah, I think it depends on like everything in the game. Like I said, when the guy's going downhill, when there's a guy having a high spin rate, you have different approaches to it. And it's the same idea with this. You know, if you're totally relaxed and you feel in control, just on a song, don't let yourself kind of think about it. Um, but if you're not in the best place to compete, maybe trying something to bring yourself back down like that one um, can help out. And then there's also a few others that I've posted on my Instagram that mm -hmm. kind of help out. But those are just a couple of them that I use depending on where I'm at mentally. Thank you for listening to the Thought Force Podcast.